While you're still standing, we're going to pray today. And I want you to pray something like this. God, open mine, not Ron's. Pray for yourself. My spiritual eyes today. So that I leave this place with nuggets from the Word of God that I did not have previously. All right? Pray something like that with me. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness today. Your mercy, God, we need your presence. We need your anointed presence, God. I ask you to open my spirit this morning, my spiritual eyes, God, that I can leave here with knowledge, Bible-based, scriptural knowledge, God, that will affect my life, change my walk, and give me strength in the kingdom of God. I praise your name, Lord. Jesus' name, God bless you. I am reading this morning. I am reading. We are live now, so if you're at home watching this, um, there's nothing like being in church to experience the real, the real feeling of it. And there's nothing I hate more than televangelists. So I'm not going to get up here and act like something I'm not, all right? I'm reading Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1, as all of you know that have been here for any number of years at all, August is coming quickly and, and I won't be out of state, but I'll be out of pulpit, all right? So I'm going to spend the next four weeks doing everything I can in the book of Galatians to convince you of the power of truth present in that little book. Little by volume is all I mean, it's very powerful, very large. And today we open with Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, and he wants to emphasize his calling. Not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Verse number 2, please. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches, plural, of Galatia. I want you to read that second verse with me. Everybody out loud, all right? And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. I'm going to talk this morning initially out of the book of Galatians on the subject of dealing. D-E-A-L-I-N-G. Because Paul was about to start dealing with some stuff. He was about to uncover some stuff and deal with some stuff. All right, bless you in the name of Jesus today. You may be seated. Thank you for praying with me a moment ago. Before I get into any content here, I want to address something about this doxology, this opening praise that the apostle offers for the Lord, that he did in every epistle that he authored. It was a formal praise, if you, if you would. It was a way of establishing his authority in the kingdom of God. Who's behind his ministry, is what he's saying. Who's behind his calling. He didn't get his credentials from headquarters. He didn't get his credentials from Bible school. Nothing wrong with Bible school. I mean, if it's, for the, if it's used for the right purpose and reason. Bible school can't make you a preacher. It can't give you a calling. It can fill your head with good, useful information. And you can rub shoulders with people that are anointed and experienced. So I'm not putting it down, but I am saying, Paul stating to us, I didn't get my card from any group. 
I got it from God the Father, even the Lord Jesus Christ. But that little three-letter word between those two offices, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to establish this before Paul establishes his direction to you and I. The Greek word for and is pronounced kai. It's spelled K-A-I. And it means even. It's translated in English, even. So when Paul said, I got my calling not by any man, nor by any group of men, any board did not put their authoritative okays on me. I got my calling from God the Father, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a, there's a rendering of that in the King James that's even better than this one. And I'll, I'll show you in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 11, how the translators got it so right on. Here, they got it so right on. Paul, in this same doxology, the same formal praise, he said, Now God himself, Kai, our Father, Kai, our Lord Jesus Christ, direct our way unto you. Now, now let's stay in the English. Now, God our Father and, or now God himself, and our Father. So there's nobody on planet Earth thinks Paul is saying in addition to when they say and. Everybody that reads that knows Paul is saying God himself, even the Father. Even the Father. He's not saying God himself and in addition to. Nobody. Nobody's translating that as if God himself is different than God the Father here. But Paul is using the word and, which to many English translators means in addition to. We're going to do a lot of Greek talk or Greek word study in the book of Galatians. But let me finish this point. Now, God himself, even our Father, even the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not distinguish or differentiate. He says they're all one, brother. I got my call from one that sits on the throne. That's why John said, that's why John said, I saw a throne and him that sat upon it. Now, should religious tradition get the better of us today? Should religious hearsay and hand-me-downs get the better of my mind today? And it does sometimes, I admit that. Let me just put this in your spirit for thought this morning. If Paul is to be taken literally with no research outside of the English language. Well, I don't know why you do that, because it wasn't written in English. Hebrew, Greek, and Latin, the Bible was written in. We all know that. And then the English translators dipped into that and put it into language English-speaking people can understand to the best of their ability. But if, no matter what I tell you here, that Greek word chi means even, and it does, 
Get a concordance and you'll find it. It's in there. You don't need, you, you can't count high enough to count all the ands in the New Testament or in the Bible. You'd be like, I'm tired of this study. Let me go over something else. There's so many ands in there. Greek word is chi, and it doesn't mean add it to it. It means even. It's the same. But if religious tradition says, I can't accept that Greek rendering, then I, gotta, I have a question for you. In every doxology of Paul's epistle, his letters or epistles, you better explain to me where Paul's forgetfulness came from because he never one time mentioned the Holy Ghost. So was Paul taking upon himself to say, these two are more important than the third? No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was talking about the dual nature. Some of you have already lo I've, you lost me, or I've lost you. He's talking about the dual nature, that God is spirit always. But the spirit put himself in flesh for 33 years. I'm not even going to preach on that today. I'm just going to throw that nugget out there for you to consume, all right? But if it means more than what the Greek renders it, then you've got to come up with an apology from Paul to the Holy Spirit because he leaves him out every single book he writes. That ain't about right. It's exactly right. And some of you are like, this is boring. Let's go on to something else. All right. Paul said, I got my calling from someone higher than a man. Now, you know there's a difference between a revolutionary and a rebellious heart. Paul is not being rebellious. He's being revolutionary because of what he's about to have to deal with. There's a reason he established that principle in his, in his opening phrase. Because he's about to uncover some worms, uncan some worms in the church of Galatia that he needs to establish his, his authority. A lot of people say the book of Galatians was actually Paul's first epistle. And whether that's important or not, you decide. But we read in Paul's own words that this letter was to the churches, plural, of Galatia. Now, Galatia is in what we refer to as Asia Minor or, or modern Turkey. There were multiple apostolic, one God, Jesus, name, Holy Ghost, filled Jesus, name, baptizing churches in Turkey that were identified as the Galatian people. And the Galatian people had a had a hard time releasing culture and accepting New Testament doctrine. They wanted to live by Mosaic law and welcome in Jesus' name baptism. And Paul is dealing with people stuck in religious tradition and trying to show them what the power of genuine apostolic revival can do for them in life. These people, even though they repented at altars like you, even though they were baptized in water by immersion like you, even though they received the Holy Ghost, spoke in other tongues like you, they still wanted to 
circumcise their male children. Not because of any health concern, but because of Mosaic law. And Paul's trying to preach them liberty in the kingdom of God, and they're saying, but wait a second, Paul. Religious tradition can be a difficult thing. I hope you're following me because I'm trying to go somewhere here. I guarantee you're not getting what I just told you. Joel Osteen ministry. That's the difference between you and them, Pastor. He's got a worldwide vision, 35,000 in Sunday school. Yeah, and the blind lead the blind and both fall into the ditch, too. Hello, somebody. All right. All right, I'm going to just be, I'm just going to be polite here. But in stunning, stunning fashion, unapologetic mannerism, Paul uses the phrase, you foolish Galatians. Next Sunday, God willing, next Sunday, I, I hope to stimulate enough hunger in you that you'll, you'll want to finish this book study with me. I'm going to talk about the word, the application of the word foolish a little more. But Paul looked at the Galatian churches, plural, numerous Holy Ghost-filled men and women, and said, you've been foolish. Now, in our autonomy today, Brother Carl, we use the word foolish. We don't think of it in religious application. It was, it was much stronger then than it is today. I'll save that for then. But he, he says, you've been foolish. And he's not talking about in any other, for any other reason than to say the way you insist upon law living with grace, the way you demand to be obeying Moses' four or five critical points, and yet you're full of the Holy Ghost. And here's what I hope to do today. I hope that I can just look through the first couple chapters and pull out one, maybe two scriptures of highlight that that. That highlight the central theme, the cord that runs through the whole book of Funny how when you get a preach, sometimes you cover a host of ideas and things that you didn't have on your notes, and God just drops into your sphere. Am I, am I telling the truth, brothers and sisters? Right. Some people call that, you know, chasing rabbits and some whatever, but when you're in the spirit, it's, it's, it's not a waste of time. You have to go where God tells you to go. Some people just have the gift of gab. I get that, all right? But Paul deals with all these issues, but the central theme just continues to be humming throughout all of his word. Trying to deal with people stuck in a cultural opinion. We've always done it this way. Even though we know that 400 silent years was the, was the shackle that God broke between the law and grace. When Malachi set his pen down, and before John came on the banks of the Jordan River, 400 years! Nobody heard from God in 400 years. Nobody on record that ever said, I, I felt God in prayer meeting. I felt direction from God from his word today, as, if an, as in an active, present sense. Well, 
I'm talking some stuff today, and I don't know if you're catching it, but here's what I want to say out of Galatians chapter 1, and, and we could take months, but I'm going to spend one morning, so. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, bearing in mind what I just told you, that Paul is dealing with some stuff. He is dealing with this hard, stubborn mindset. They're not, they're not outsiders. They're not people that refuse all truth. They've got as much truth as you and I. But they can't let go of yesterday. I hate to put it like this. Some of you are going to get real quiet. You Pentecostals are going to get real quiet. These people, you hear them, January 17, 1994. I went to camp meeting, and I ain't never been the same since. And everything you hear or see or experience, you compare it to January 17, 1994. If Pastor Herring doesn't tickle your fancy, well, that was good, but it wasn't like January 17, 1994. It's not about right. That's exactly right. And Paul says, I'm established because my calling is of God. You didn't call me. No commission asked me to go anywhere. God called me. And whom God calls, God will equip. Man, why can't I move on today? Whom God sends, God equips. So if you go and you don't have any equipment, you probably went yourself. You know what God told Jeremiah? I'm against all these prophets that go somewhere and say, God sent me here when God said I didn't have anything to do with it. So knowing what Paul is thinking, he says in Galatians 1 verse 10, do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I'm not the servant of Jesus Christ. If all I want to do is get the approval of the board, then I'm a hireling and not a man of God. If all I want is to get your attaboys and good preaching today, what I want to say when you say that, I appreciate it, I really do. But I want to mimic my friend. I want to say, what was wrong with Wednesday night? I preached just as hard Wednesday night. You walked out of here in such a hurry. Thank you, Brother Dan. Purdue. He said, if all I'm doing in this calling of mine is trying to please men, then where does that leave me when I get to the throne of the Lord? Now listen, that does not license people to be offensive when they get behind the pulpit. That does not mean we try to hurt just for shock value alone. That, that's abusing the privilege of ministry. That's not what Paul is doing here. He's just trying to tell you, I come with authority. I established who sent me. It was one God. He put rank and file behind my calling. And when I, when I come to preach to you, if I have to preach to you things you like all the time, I'm probably not pleasing him that sent me. Well, 
My point out of Galatians 1, verse 10, Brother Roger Palmer, is this. Do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? If I just please men, I'm not a servant of Christ. My point is this. Don't live for the approval of others. Stop living for the approval of everybody else. That's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. Someone's catching on. Praise the Lord. Don't live for the approval of anybody, anywhere. Just approve of the Lord, of God. That's what you want. Brother, if God approves you, you're doing all right. Paul said, I want to feed you. I want to encourage you. I want to unite you. I don't want to browbeat anybody. I don't want to cattle herd anybody. I want to pastor you and shepherd you. But if you don't let me do that under the confines of God's calling, it's you with the problem, not me. As long as I don't abuse the privilege. Oh, I just want to make this point. As we're looking at this central theme that Paul is talking about, come on, break loose from the shackles of Mosaic law. He's not saying the law was bad. He was just saying you're living under grace now. So while we, while we have fulfilled law, we stand under the blood of Jesus Christ today. No one deserves the grace of God. Nobody deserves the grace of God. No preacher alive, no preacher's kid, no musician, no sinner, no saint. No one deserves the grace of God. You can't earn the grace of God. When you repent of your sins and God forgives you, that's because of the grace of God. That's through the channel of the grace of God. I need to tell somebody today, no matter what shackles you are bound by, no matter what weights you feel like you're under, when you genuinely, sincerely go to God and say, I need you to fix my life, God. And by fixing my life, God, I mean all the blunders I have caused, all the errors I have committed. Please be seated. I, I, all of the wrong that I've done, and there's a list too long to talk about. I love these people that look down their nose at people that, that admit to their errors as if you didn't ever commit anything. You need to get off your high horse, man. You know what Jesus said, Brother David? He said, oh, if you're so high and mighty, you go ahead and throw the first stone. You can be the judge, jury, and executioner. Throw the first stone. And the Bible said when Jesus spoke those words, they began to leave from the eldest to the least. Funny how the word of God can change the way we see things. Anyway. Anyway. This central cord that's running through they won't let it go. They have no reason to hold on to it. It's hindering them. Paul is trying to show them you have liberty in the kingdom of God. Not liberty to sin, but liberty to be free from the bondage of the daily routines, rituals, religious rite. 
You have every right to go to the throne like Moses went to the mountain and was in the presence of God. You don't need no man praying for you. I'm not talking about pastoral authority and leadership in a church. I'm talking about one movement out there that they got to get the head honcho to pray for them. And you are abusing the privilege of grace if you believe that. I'm not putting anybody down. But I'm saying the only mediator between God and man is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So, so try, to, try to ask God, help you quit living for the approval of others. I know you, you're, you know how to rightly divide that. You're intelligent people. There's certain people in life that inspire me, and I like to be my best when I'm around them. Does that make sense to you? I'm not brown-nosing them. I don't put pad, pad their palm every time I see them. They're just people I, I'm inspired by. They're above me in and, 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 and spiritual relationship with God. And they inspire me. I don't think evil thoughts when I'm around them. I think good thoughts. They make me happy. They make me want to smile. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody today. I try to be my best when I'm around those people. I'm not putting on an act. I'm just trying to put my best foot forward because they inspire me. I'm not living for their approval, but I want their blessing on my life. I want them to think good things when they call out my name in prayer. See the difference. Paul is saying, you people are patting each other on the back saying, (laughs) you offered that pigeon, four turtle doves, good job, Joe. And they were supporting this united front against the grace of God. And Paul is saying, listen to me. Stop living for the pat on the back of people who have no more truth than you do. Stop it. That's one of those nuggets you're still chewing on. You're like, okay, I don't get it. I don't get it. This is what the writer said in Psalm. Oh, give me Galatians 1 verse 10. We did I, I'm not there. Psalm 118, verse 8, where I'm at, actually, in my mind. He said, it's better to trust in the Lord with confidence in man. That is not license to be rebellious. Because there's some men I've got a lot of confidence in. But he's saying, you better have more confidence in God than you do any man breathing. And then, this is going to get really quiet. Verse 9 uses the word princes in King James language, but we would translate it today, politicians. Can I get somebody to give me a witness today that it's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in politicians? Hello, Facebook. Praise God. I'm not even going to get off on that more than I want to do. I need to stretch. 
I think you get the degree of confirmation he's trying to achieve here. Common man of the people in authority and civil rule. He said, it's better not live for their approval. Just to, to gain that confidence. Yeah. Galatians 2, verse 20, the Bible said, But I am crucified with Christ. Remember, dealing with these people holding on, it's interwoven in our community, in our, our construction, of, construction of our minds. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. Christ liveth in me. People really get biblical expression of conversion. You really repent of your sin. Not to judge, I'm just making a statement. A lot of experience. When you truly go down in Jesus' name baptism for the right reasons. Not to please your wife. Not to make it a family event. Because you've repented. You want God to fix what's wrong in your life. And you, somewhere in your life, receive the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That's the outward sign. And for religious people to tell you that tongues are of the devil... They are mocking God. They are blaspheming the holy presence of God's spirit. They are uninformed. Uh-huh. They are uninformed and speaking without any biblical support. Now, has tongues been abused? Of course it has. We got, we got people out there teaching people how to speak in tongues. Don't have any part to do that. They have nothing to do with that junk, all right? God's the only one that can give you the sign, the evidence of the Holy Ghost birth. But Paul says this, if you've genuinely been there, then Christ is in you. You know why some people struggle to change, really change? Because somewhere during their conversion experience, they questioned, they doubted, they stopped, Oh, they, they may have spoken uttered a sound, whatever, and they received the Holy Ghost, but they didn't let that thing take up residence, Christ in you. They questioned it. They get around people, oh, yeah, is that real, that question, that church, that pastor, that just. And all that good work that God did in your conversion was stolen by the devil. Mark chapter 4, read it for yourself. See, he comes to steal the seed. And some people don't grow because they don't let God grow in them. They want to maintain what they've always been. Hello, Galatians. And yet enjoy the presence of being born again. They want to hold on to their old way. That's the point of repenting. Some people never grow because they want to hang on. I've always been hard-headed, stubborn, party-hearted. And I know everybody at church, too. And Paul is saying, you don't get it. You can't hold on to yesterday. 
and enjoy what God has for you today. You'll never grow. That's exactly what I'm saying. You want to grow, you have to let go. He said, Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. In the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me, gave himself. Love that phrase. He didn't say, oh, okay, you want me to go down there and do, all right. I'm, I'm. Gave himself. Revelation 5 said, there stood a lamb. There stood a lamb. The crowd, the masses. Number one, I want to make this point to you today, is you don't need to live for the approval of others. God made you an individual for a reason. Number two, the Bible said, who loved me and gave himself for me. The life which I now live, fourth line down, the life which I now live in the flesh. The point is this, don't be defined by your past. Some people, you always let certain people in your life bring up yesterday. We all have that someone. Remember? Remember? They're always unacceptable, unaccepted, unaccepting of today. They always want to stir up. Don't be defined by your past. That's what Paul is saying here. When I was born again, I'm living in the flesh today, but it's by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm still living out my days in flesh and blood here, but it's not the same today as it was then. What's driving me, Paul said, what's driving and motivating me today is my faith in Jesus Christ. I am not working all week long for Friday night. That's the old man. I work all week long for Sunday morning now. That's the new man. That's what Paul's saying. Don't be defined by your past. Don't let anybody tell you you've made too many mistakes to have a new day and a new future. Hey, we're all sinners saved by the grace of God. And while this person's sin might seem dastardly and darkened compared to your holy life, I got news for you. In the eyes of God, we're all lost. We were all lost before we came to the grace of God. You can't be any more lost than lost. Well, they're really lost. No, they're lost. Just like you were lost. All right. Don't live for the approval of others. 
Some parents want their kids to be something that they wanted to be but couldn't become. You see how fast my son threw that fastball? Like he's better than Joshua. Come on, Dad. Hello, everybody. Hello, Mom. See how skilled he laid out and caught that pass in the end zone? That's my son right there. We may as well just put signs on our head. I am a proud, arrogant father or grandfather, and my kids are better than your kids. That's what that's saying, those type of actions. And we put pressure on kids to be something that they don't, they don't set out to be. We, we drive them, we drill them, we push them. You've got to be the best. No, they're nine years old. They're eight years old. I've said it until the cows come home, Brother Dave. For all the years I coached Little League and, and various communities, Kenai here, Nikiski, I'm telling you, it was much harder to deal with parents and kids. I'd like a word with you, coach. Like a word with you, coach. And you know, you can, it's, the script is always the same. You pulled my son out in the fourth inning. What's up? You pulled my daughter out in the third inning. Why? Well, I should have told someone, because you and your daughter need a lesson in humility. Is what you really need. They may have been star Michael Jordan on the court. But when they mistreat other people because of their ability to shoot or run, ah, stop it. This front row, they're bringing it out of me, and I don't want to do it. Stop it. You guys just be kids. Don't be defined by your past. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He talked about new, being new. Any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Don't be defined by your past. Yeah, I made a lot of mistakes, and I'm not even going to talk about it. I, This is not on there, Sister Cleo, but if you're taking notes, write Ephesians 5.12 down. Paul said it's a shame to even speak of the things that we used to do in the dark. Shame. Yeah. Hello. Woo. We're like, we should close the bars down. We should buy every last bag the dude had. And you know what Paul said? It's a shame to even bring that stuff up. Because you're not living, you're not that man anymore. You're not that woman anymore. I just want to say I'm glad that you're not what you used to be, and I'm not what I used to be. I am not what I used to be. All right, let me let me make one more one more mentioning of something out of Galatians, and I'll stop. This is going to take me another. Other service, Sister Claire. Out of chapter one, we talked about living for the approval of Jesus and no one else. Out of chapter two, we talked about not being defined by your past. That's just that one chord that's that's hooked into the vibration of the central theme. Get that? You read a book, ever read Jack London's Call of the Wild? Should read it. Great book. If you like Alaskana, you like Yukon fishing and all that. Great book. 
as a central theme to our survival of the fittest, dealing with extremities, etc. Central theme throughout this, Paul keeps touching and staying connected to the whole thing. Don't be defined by your past. All that I'm talking about, he's saying, disconnected your past. You think because you said three prayers offered a pigeon or a turtle dove. This is what Paul's teaching. You think you can go out there and get snockered again tonight. Paul's saying, you, you've got the Holy Ghost now. You've got the Spirit of God living in you now. Disconnect from that. Break away from that. And the third point, just grabbing it out of chapter 3, of course. We went to chapter 1, we went to chapter 2, I went to chapter 3. Also, Paul said in Galatians 3, 27, 8, 9, many of you, as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. That's language we can all understand. He said, now, there's no difference between the Jew or the Greek, bond or the free, the male or the female, in the eyes of God. We're talking about souls here. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Verse nine, verse 29. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Now look at this. Look at this. He says, you folks, not you, but talking to the Galatian churches in plural, you think justification comes by obedience to the law. He said, look at Abraham. He was justified by faith long before Moses ever set the law into motion. Come on, somebody. He said, Abraham became justified with God before Moses was ever even thought of. And you, Galatian churches, are hung up on Mount Sinai and Ten Commandments. And Here's the point I want to make out of these scriptures here. Galatians chapter 3, 27 to 29. You listen to what I just read. You can't help but feel like you are a special part of God's master plan. You. You. You that you think your life's a wreck. You that are as scattered. Yep, did you, were you ever in Arizona, Brother Clay? I know you were. When one of those uh, spring sandstorms would blow through. It, it, it was like our snowstorms in the middle of the winter. Everything's dark, and all you can see is just right there, only a sand there. And you in the middle of all of your life, thinking that you're just one grain of sand in a confused quagmire. No one cares about me. I make no difference anywhere I go. I'm barely surviving. I have no money. I have no friends. I have My health is questionable. And I'm not just fishing. I know I'm feeling something right now. People that think that way, I want to talk to you today. According to these scriptures, when you are biblically converted, New Testament biblically converted. Brother, you become a special component in the plan of God. You may never preach. You may never be a missionary. You may never preach the gospel. You may never play an instrument. But brother, according to your relationship with God, you are a special 
part of the master plan of God. Well, my husband left me. You're a special part in the master plan of God. Well, my wife bailed on me. You're a special part of the master plan of God. I'm taught looking deeper than just the flesh here. Brother, he went to the cross, not just for the ministry. He didn't go for popular people or powerful people. He didn't go for governmental-minded people. He went for little, unknown, common, everyday, janitor-type people. Trying to tell you something. Because your present, not your past. You don't have to worry about who approves and disapproves. I guarantee you this, Brother Justin. You first come to God in biblical truth, not religious truth, not historical, traditional, religious truth, but biblical truth. You're going to have some resistance in your own home. You don't have to go to work to get it. You can get it right at home. When I first got the Holy Ghost, Brad, my, one of my best friends, a man I still look up to this day, said, now listen, called me in the office and said, listen, Ron. He said, I understand going to church. I go to the first church, and he named it in Anchorage. He said, but listen, don't go getting all religious on us. Don't go getting all crazy and quoting the Bible around here and all that. I said, man, all I did was tell the cashier that I got the Holy Ghost yesterday and how I feel different today. It's all I told her. He ushered me in the office. You're going to meet resistance immediately. The point, the point, though, is this. You can't be, you can't be defined by yesterday. You have, to be, you have to be active in today. And why is all of that? Because in spite of everything the past is trying to do to you, you have a special place in the kingdom of God. Special. Brother Walter cannot sit in my seat in the kingdom of God. And, and I can't sit in Brother Clayo's seat in the kingdom of God. And Mar Brother Marshall, you can't sit in Sister Misty's seat. You have a special place. God ordained it. So when you read Galatians, I promise you, you're gonna, your head's going to start swimming and go, oh, my goodness. I can just see a busy boardroom and people going, I don't know about that. Let me check this. Let me back check this. Let me back check that. What do they call these polit political debates? Let me fact check his statement there. You're going to get that when you just skim through it. But remember this, God's trying to tell you, I've set you free. I've set you free. I've set you free. Free from sin, free from bondage. Oh, hallelujah. Let's stand and praise the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, merciful God. Thank you, holy God. Thank you, precious Savior. Bless your good name, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.